LCS playoffs underway. We had two great series this weekend, maybe for different reasons. Uh, definitely some CFP certified clown fiestas. We'll get into all of that. We'll get into previews this episode. We got to talk about JoJo, with whether he got robbed. Maybe should have been player of the week. Maybe not. Uh, Team Liquid, APA kind of struggling. Would you go back with Harry? Would you stick with APA? And NRG uh, really showing up. Is it time for them to go on a run? We'll discuss all this in episode 135 of the Clown Fiesta podcast with Blue Jay and JNT250. Jinter, most surprising uh, maybe player or team of the weekend? What caught you off guard um, as far as what we saw from the from the first series of playoffs? I mean, you kind of alluded to it a little bit, but I thought it was the mid lane matchup in the NRGTL series. I mean, I think going into it, while a lot of people still rate Palafox very highly, it was difficult to predict where AP necessarily falls in the mid lane all pro or tier list, if you will, because of the number of games that he's played. So I think going into the series, people were expecting APA to continue his sort of run of form. However, Palafox put that guy in the dirt. It was a massive gap in the mid lane. Like, it wasn't even close. And I know people were pointing out Palafox winning both sides of the matchup. Pretty much that is exactly what happened. It didn't matter what uh, the matchups were. Palafox was dumping on him. And I agree that was the most surprising. Look, APA had a really good start, but it was a small sample size. And so people were curious, would that translate into playoffs? So far, not. And yes, you obviously have to give credit to Palafox, but then you also have to acknowledge that, you know what? Sometimes playoffs is just a different animal. And so you kind of feel bad for APA because he only had, what, three or six games in regular season before going into playoffs? Whatever, what really small number, right? So you kind of feel bad for the guy, but it was just an absolute uh, mid-gap nightmare scenario that happened to APA. Yeah, and I don't even think APA was playing like terribly by any means. Yeah, he wasn't playing well, but he definitely wasn't running it down. I, I just think all the credit needs to go to Palafox for the most part. I think APA had a couple of moments where he was jumping in or jumping out incorrectly on Triss, but I, I don't attribute those to the gap that Palafox created the entire series. That was purely off of, off the back of Palafox, playing well with his jungler, and punishing APA when he had no flash, because uh, what game was it? Game three? Game four? It was whatever the game that APA was on the J side of the that matchup where he just got owned when he lost his yeah. flash. I differ from you a little bit there because I do think APA just got stomped because he was running it down. He kept jumping in over and over again. As you mentioned, I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm trying to take away credit from Palafox. It's just to me, it was very clear you didn't have an LCS level mid laner. Just for the series, maybe he is still an LCS mid laner in APA, but just for the series... I don't really think so. So I think we're we're probably going to have to differ on that a little bit. Um, I mean, I think that's a stretch to say that that was an LCS level performance. I mean, we've seen some bad lane, mid, we've seen some bad mid lane performances, and I don't think all those stack up to what we saw in that series. Yeah, we'll have to disagree there. I think. Uh, yeah, and and you know what I want to talk about here? I want to talk about the whole NA mids conversation a little bit because while we get very excited when North American mids get promoted and they get a chance, like. Sometimes you do see the bad side of it, right? And that's something that we also have to acknowledge is a reality. And what I think really sucks is that it happens to be on Team Liquid where you have a struggling, well, two, right? Because APA and Harry, I would count Harry because he was in the North North American Academy system. Uh, Team Liquid isn't exactly known for using North American talent. They finally do, and they have two mids that are definitely struggling. Uh, 
I think that kind of sucks. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm not as down on APA as you seem to be. I think if you're weighing the two options of, you know, what are we going into next series and how are we sort of figuring that out? Do we want to run Harry? Do you want to want, want to run APA? I'm still definitely in the camp that you stick with APA for the time being. I would need to see two pretty disgusting games. Like, and, and I think that's maybe where we're differing because I would not classify any of the games that he had in the series as like disgusting inting which is really? what we saw from Harry in certain moments where he is making poor decision after poor decision on repeat when it comes to engages or being caught out of position. I think there were moments where that happened to APA and there was, there was a few key moments where he jumped in and out and they, they pulled up the facial reactions of him. And he was obviously, you know, struggling a little bit, you know, he was mentally sort of struggling because he was getting pretty emotional on the player cams and mm-hmm. you could, yeah. I'm just kind of assuming at the moment was kind of getting to him and he was sort of cracking under the pressure. It's what it felt like to me, but by no means am I ready to move on or potentially want to sub him out unless it gets even more disgusting. Yeah. So that's an area where we agree for sure. I am still in the keep him in camp. Uh, I don't want to forget that he actually had a really great start to his LCS split just even a couple weeks ago. So like to me, Harry was pretty bad, like consistently, even though I think APA was absolutely the worst player on his team in this particular series. I don't think that that's what you're going to get out of him every time. So while I'm definitely calling him out because he ran it down, in my opinion, in this series, I'm sticking with him. I think bad series happen to everyone, regardless of whether you're a rookie, whether you're a veteran, that happens. So I'm not a, oh, let's give up on him kind of guy here. I just want to acknowledge that Sometimes the North American mids don't pin out. And and to cope on the other end, he got clapped by a North American mid. Exactly. <laughs> like, so so, so Palafox like, is just the goat. That, that's yeah. all we need to say. NA mids are still strong. Palafox just too good. The NA fans get to cope real hard here because it's like, well, the only way you could counter the NA mid buff is from another North American mid. That's what exactly. happened. Yeah. Um, and we focused so much on APA in this conversation, but let's be real. It was not all on APA to me, hands down worst performer on his team, but like we saw some noticeable differences in his teammates as well. Uh, outside of, I mean, don't get me wrong. Summit hard carried the one Jack's game, right? Great performance there, but even still his persi- or his, um, issues of ISO deaths persisted in this series. Uh, there was Piosik didn't have a great series, even even core JJ didn't have such a great series either. That bot lane did not seem on the same page. So like all this to say there was other problems. Yeah. I, I definitely think that, you know, APA was still a big contributor, big contributor to what was going wrong for team liquid in that series. But there are pl- other players on this team that are not absolved from anything, you know, summit. I thought, I still think the good outweighed the bad in that series. However, the players that I was disappointed the most were the mid and jungle of Forjj and Pioshek. They were pretty awful for the most part in the series. There was pretty much only that game three where it really felt like that Team Liquid kind of knew. I shouldn't even say like knew what they were doing, but that was the only game really where it felt like Team Liquid kind of had control. And the rest of it, Team Liquid, the game two was Team Liquid's game to win, and they they threw that game so poorly off of core jj and pioshek just overextending multiple times in team fights what else is new right when it comes to throwing games at team liquid like this that is the way they have disappointed the whole the whole year long maybe actually like they've continued to throw games over and over again and all of the fans of tl fans have to be disappointed even rafa 
Did you hear on the cast when Rafa started, when Rafa started speaking Spanish? I don't know yeah, what he yeah. said. Did you uh, hear that? I, I mean, I don't know what he's saying, but it was funny. Yeah, like I, I'm sure it was Spanish. I don't know what he said, but to me, it's like any, um, any, anyone listening that has a parent that speaks another language knows that this is a bad thing. Like when I was a kid, if me and my brother were fighting or we were pissing off my dad, my dad starts swearing in French. You know, you done something wrong there. And that's what I was thinking when Rafa started saying stuff in Spanish. He had to have been saying like "Good Lord" or something. It was like the Spanish version of like "Mamma Mia." I was, I thought that was really funny. Yeah, he also I heard Rafa, he dropped a couple of clown fiestas across that series. I was like, oh, okay, there we go. Some subtle Even plugging Rafa right agrees. there. Yeah, certified knows. certified clown fiesta, uh the whole series pretty much. Um but yeah, TL's can TL's issues continue to be just throwing every possible lead they can. Core JJ on Yon were not on the same page. The one game it was Leona Leona Kaisa. And Core JJ kept flashing in to, to stun somebody, and Jan was never following up. Now, to be fair to Jan, some of these engages from Core were not it. However, oh, they were not it, let me tell you. I mean, the they, majority they of the engages were. were bad. I will say, though, this to me, you know one of those things where everyone says uh, it's better to follow up on a bad play than to be on different pages altogether? That's what I got out of those plays where Core JJ is going for these plays that it's like, dude, that's kind of risky. But if you if Core JJ is flashing in on like Syndra, for example, and Yon isn't following up with the Kaisa ult, you're gonna lose the fight anyways. I think it's better to follow up. I just I feel bad for Yon because he's probably like, dude, what is that? Like, what is that engage? And so you could definitely see the bot lane wasn't on the same page, the engages were awful. All this to say there is lots of issues at a TL, and uh I think just as the split has gone on, we've become more and more worried about this team. Yeah, I, the other thing that was somewhat surprising, not necessarily related to APA, sort of was, but also more holistically from Team Liquid, is they really didn't deviate their game plan whatsoever. All of the ways that they were winning primarily in the early parts of the summer split, and even in, in the middle when they were winning games, a lot of it was off of strong laning bot laners with, with you know, Core JJ and Yon pressuring in lane, Control Mage on Harry, or sorry, on APA, Split Pusher on Summit, and, and enabling, jungler, enabling Jungler and Pioshik. And they pretty much just took the complete opposite approach. Yeah, sure, Summit was still doing his thing, but they had APA on Skirmish Heavy Champions, they had Core JJ on Pure Engagers, no laning dominant champions, and then Pioshik was on just objective team fighters as opposed to you know, proactive junglers. I was really expecting them to basically perma put him on stuff like Sejuani, even Vi, even Wukong. Those aren't necessarily the super meta champions, but I think those are the champions that flit, fits his play style the best within this team. So to see them really just play a completely different style to what they were, I, sh I shouldn't say completely different because Summit is still Summit, but from the bot side of the map, it, it was pretty weird to see. Yeah, and, and I guess I want to talk more on the NRG side of things now. Um we thought Dokla was going to get clapped by Summit. And yes, Summit had the one pop-off game, right? Don't get me wrong. He fully 1v9 game three. But like, Dokla kind of held his own. So I, I got to give lots of props to Dokla. We thought that this series was going to go Team Liquid's way because we thought Summit was just going to run over Dokla. Dokla had... A, I will say, the game that they ended up throwing, I was not happy that Dokla took three kills on the Renekton there. Uh, the one the one kill he definitely could have given to FBI, and then he just takes it. And I was like, as soon as he took the triple kill, I was like, I think he's going to throw this lead. And I think the rest of that game, Dokla pretty much struggled and continued to get caught out. But for the most part, Dokla held his own against what we think is the best laning top laner in this series. So I guess what I'm saying is I'm calling us out on saying we didn't give enough credit to Dokla to being able to hold his own in this series. 
I mean, yeah, he, he held his own, but he didn't really do anything. I guess it's hard to it's hard to credit Dokla for summit mistakes as a like summit mistakes that are separate from Dokla as opposed to because like Dokla was not even involved with summit for the majority of the game. Like the the one play that I can really remember that was very impactful was in the second game when summit had some flank on Kennen and Dokla just zoned him the entire time. Yeah, that was a huge play. But I mean, apart from that, I thought a lot of the heavy lifting, especially in that game too, was being done by contracts. Like contracts was doing such a good job of knocking people out with the poppy alts. He had a huge one, saved the entire game. In the third Drake fight, when Summit is behind them and he's running in with the cannon alt and contracts insta flips him out as he presses alt with the poppy alt, that saved and won them the game basically because Team Liquid was about to smoke him in the team fight, stop the drag soul, uh, snowball and, and win it. And that was really it. I mean, sure, I, I can credit Dokla with not getting ran over in lane, but I thought apart from that, he got caught out so many times in, in this series. If we want to talk about ISO deaths from Summit side, I feel like you got to talk about it from Dokla's side because there was about five or six times in this series where it was just like, what are you even doing, Dokla? Yeah, to me, they were mostly focused on that one game, which to me, for sure, I think Dokla deserves uh, some criticism for. Uh, and I do agree with you 100% that to me, the series was won by mid-jungle from energy, which is what you would expect. Um, I guess you could also give credit to FBI. My, my point is, Team Liquid, the whole split long, the way they get their leads is mostly through top lane, right? They have a crazy early game. The fact that Summit's not just running over lane is pretty much Dokla doing his job, if you ask me. So that's why I think he deserves some credit for that. I'm not forgiving all the times he got caught out, because uh, I do think there's some criticism to be given there. Yeah, on the on the FBI point, I think he actually played a really good series, and I think a lot of that did have to do with Team Liquid's, um, I don't, I don't know what the right word is, unwillingness to play what they've been playing for the entire split, which has been you know lane dominant bot lanes, and to me it kind of just felt like they let them off the hook a little bit. What FBI and Ignar want to do, like even not even on this energy squad, but what they've known, what they've been known for as players their entire career. FBI is the guy who farms till 15 minutes, scales up, and team fights really well. And Ignar is the guy. Ignar is yeah. the guy who wants to get to team fights, be playing on an impactful champion, and makes shit happen in team fights. And Team Liquid basically just gave him the free pass. Like, hey, you guys can do exactly what you want to do, and we're gonna do what we have not been successful on the entire year. It was just it was really confusing. I thought Team Liquid just let them off the hook bot lane whatsoever. No pressure. Nothing was done bot lane the whole series. It felt yeah. like it felt like they expected Summit to smash Dokla, and that was their only game plan. And when he didn't, like he was still ahead of Dokla for the majority of the series. Don't get me wrong, but he was not fifty forty CS up. He wasn't a full tower up. He wasn't you know two three thousand gold up. He, he would probably had like anywhere between five hundred to a thousand five hundred gold leads in the majority of games, but nothing super impactful that he can truly snowball the game with. It was just like. Team Liquid got to a certain point in almost every single game, except for that third one where energy started to throw, and they were like, oh, it's 25 minutes, and we don't really do fuck all because Summit didn't smash the game through top, so I guess we lose now. But then the one time Summit was playing Jax and actually did 1v9 the game then. 
What's interesting for me about that series was how I felt about the Ezreal at the start of the series versus how I felt about Ezreal at the end of the series. At first, I wasn't sold. It was funny because the casters were talking about how important it is to land your your skill shots as Ezreal, and if you don't, you don't really do any damage. And then as they're talking about that, there's a whole team fight that goes down where FBI misses everything, and I'm like, oh crap. And then as the fight or as the game goes on and as the series goes on, suddenly FBI's landing everything, and I'm like, okay, I'm starting to see why they made this pick it was like you didn't really know what you were going to get with ezreal um with F fbi's ezreal kind of like a, a box of chocolates you, you get that reference right of course i'm not that okay. uncultured come on i wasn't sure sometimes you're a little zoomer nah How awesome that's is that movie by the way <laughs> I mean, it's a great movie I love Forrest Gump. Yeah, no, you didn't know what you were going to get from um, from FBI's Ezreal. And honestly, when it started to show up, he wasn't missing everything. The The three-man Ezreal ulti, oh my god, man. Uh, that was when you're like, okay, I see why they made the, why they, they took the Ezreal, and I kind of want to see more of it. Yeah, I mean, he was making Core JJ dizzy in that second game on Leona. Like, Core JJ couldn't hit a single E or ult on FBI the entire game. Dude was yeah. dizzy. Yeah, pretty interesting. Um, I guess one thing to close out this topic on on NRG specifically is like, do you think it's time that this team goes on a run now? They haven't ever won a best of five in the in the top bracket, as they were saying um, in the post game interview. Is this a time that they go on a run, or do you think they got some work ahead of them that uh, might prevent them from like going to Worlds, let's say? Because I think that's their goal is Worlds. Well, I mean, if we're looking at their track record, they mm -hmm. had a. They had a good week five, second to last week of the LCS regular season, a bad uh -huh. last week, a good playoff series this past week. So unfortunately, I think that means they're in for an NRG stinker next week. Okay. So based on based on the script, I would say we're in for the NRG stinker. But I mean, to speak a bit more seriously, I do think that NRG has the potential. I mean, what's to say that they are not the third best team in the league right now? After yeah. beating Team Liquid with, with with no fly quest, having just beat Team Liquid, and then with EGTSM going to a five-game series, which I think people didn't necessarily expect because people thought that EG was going to 3-0 them, us included. Um, Yeah, why not? They, yeah, why I, not? Think, I think they finally make it. I think they finally make it to Worlds. And don't worry, guys, we will talk more about this later when we get into the, the preview of uh, them versus Golden Guardians later. But I'm, I'm starting to buy it. I'm starting to buy the hype. Uh, anything else on this series before we move on? Um, yeah, I think that's it. Okay. Uh, before we get to EGTSM, just want to remind you guys, if you want to support this podcast, it's very simple to do so. Just hit the like button, comment, subscribe. That stuff does so much for us. It continues to do that so much for us. And we appreciate all of you that have been supporting us. It's been helping quite a bit. Uh, because of that, we have a lot of new viewers. So for you new viewers... You might be wondering, what the hell is this? Well, we do it every week. It's a podcast that we do every week. And the best thing about our podcast, or one of the best things, let's say, is that it's always available on Mondays. We do a prep Saturday and Sunday, and we record Sunday, all because we want to get you guys that Monday content. We hear you guys all the time saying, we need the Monday content. Where's the Monday content? We're making sure to give that to you guys. So if you want more Monday LCS content, you should subscribe to the Clown Fiesta podcast. That's where you will get it. And uh, yeah, you're not going to get the dive on Monday. You're not going to get Hotline League. You're not going to get Face Check. You're going to get the Clown Fiesta podcast. So make sure to hit the subscribe button to support us. And even this week, you're getting that early Sunday content because we're early on Sunday this time. Yeah, even earlier. 
That's crazy. Always, we'll always try to be earlier rather than later. Always. We're doing our best to get you guys the Monday content. Okay, let's do EGTSM. This series went five games. We did not think it would. Uh, where should we start with this one, JNT? There's kind of a lot to say about it. Well, I mean, I think we got to start with the fact that although Revenge got player of the series and player of the week, whatever, whatever it was, Jojo Pune absolutely destroyed the entirety of TSM in this entire series. Minus the first game, got fucked over by some word EXP. Yeah, so... Okay, you got to give full credit to TSM for coming in with a game plan. It very much... This this series reminded us of why best ofs is way more than best of ones. Like, way more important than best of ones, right? TSM got their, their cheese counter pick. They were able to style on JoJo in the first one. And then after... Once they kind of showed their hand, he, I think JoJo just completely ran the whole series, right? They, they, they made JoJo mad, and they paid for it. JoJo was fuming. And this... Honestly, this was, to me, such a JoJo MVP uh, series. To me, it was definitely him that carried the series. This is the part of our podcast that we do every week where we try to convince our listeners that we're not revenge haters because revenge got player of the week. I just... I. I thought Revenge had a good week. I just, to me, it was so incredibly obvious that JoJo said, hop on and just carried this team. Obviously, the Jax game was great from Revenge. I'm not trying to take that away from him. Even the casters on the, on the, the whatever, analyst desk or whatever, were like, yeah, JoJo's pretty much doing all the damage and finding all the picks in this series, and Revenge is picking up the last hits. But, like, still a great game from Revenge, just JoJo's the one doing the carrying. I'm like, oh, okay, so they recognize this. And then it's Revenge against Player of the Week, and I'm like, Huh. Now, ordinarily those this storylines. Yeah, exactly. Ordinarily, this would bother me way more because it, it would bother me if it was taken away from a player that doesn't get recognition. The reason why this one bothered me less is because let's be real, JoJo's gonna get the recognition he deserves, and so maybe that's why they felt more comfortable with going the narrative route and like trying to give credit to Revenge because he has improved so much. Like we can acknowledge that, especially the last couple of weeks, I think he's looked so much better. And so, like, I think that makes us all feel good. I just get a little bit worried when we let narrative take over um, player performance. You know what I'm saying? 100%. I mean, in all honesty, apart from the Jax game and the Aatrox game, I mean, Hanser was better than Revenge in three out of the five games. Like, Oh, I disagree there. Oh, well. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. His Fiora game, he was piss useless. Um, in the first game, he was pretty useless as well. Um, I'm trying to remember what happened in game four, but, oh yeah, he got absolutely dicked on in Rumble versus Jax. I mean, I thought Hanser was a better player in that series. Well, I'm, I don't know if I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> yeah, he kind Hanser, of realized, like... <laughs> Hanser played better than Revenge in three of the five games, but I think overall Revenge's impact in games two and five outweighed that of Hanser, but. To me, I did not think, or, uh, Hanser was on the same page as his team in many, many fights. There are so many times where it's very clear the CC is coming and the Rumble alt needs to be down and uh, the Rumble alt is late sometimes or sometimes it's angled weird. Like to me, it was like if this was a good Rumble, like don't get me wrong, he's getting advantages in lane, but I kind of think that's Rumble being broken. I think if you had a good Rumble, I actually think TSM might even win this series uh, or, or honestly just win harder, right? Like I don't, I don't even think um, uh, the games that they won were necessarily like, uh, like, I guess I'm trying to say, like, if you have, 
who's a good example? Maybe, I mean, maybe it, um, it seems maybe like Summit it is a perfect example for Rumble. The reason why I'm stuck here is because like Summit might just throw <laughs> on the Rumble. But let's be honest, I think a better Rumble just completely takes over some of these games, and I think they just hard stop. Yeah, I mean, I I think you're kind of alluding to game two when you're talking about the rumble, especially with some of the alt placements and the timings of it. Because, yeah, they, they weren't the greatest. There was a couple times where the alt was angled a little bit weird, and he was a couple seconds late on one big team flight. But I kind of got a... When I was watching the co-streams on this one, I kind of had the back medios when he was talking about the fact that EG's damage profile in game two was pretty abysmal. Um, So even though Hauntzer was late on that one rumble ulti, like, EG had a bunch of early magic resist and wasn't really taking a lot of damage anyway. So, I, I'm not of the opinion that if he gets that big alt down, which is one of the ones you're talking about, that it would have changed much. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. There was also a time where he overheated and didn't get the rumble alt in a really crucial fight. It was in River around Baron Pit. That, was, that also happened. So, like, anyways, I just think it's kind of been a continued Hauntzer is underperforming. Definitely not the only one that underperformed in this series, though. Um, it was sad for me to see the underperformance of Insanity because I think he had a great split. I think he should have been all pro. I think he got hard stomped in this series. Minus game one, of course, right? Minus game one. I mean, game four, he had a decent game as well. But it, it was in the losses, the, the the gap was too massive to overcome. And yeah. We get to cope, though. It was an NA mid that beat him. True. Yeah. Same situation. Yep. NA. NA. Yep. Still, still number one. The only way to counter. Um, I, to me, I think game two, he pretty much lost them the series when he flashed in on Lissandra to... He flash W'd the Sejuani. His yeah, teammates yeah. are nowhere near able to follow up. They end up losing and fall, losing that fight and falling really far behind off of that fight. To me, that was like, dude, what are you, like, what are you doing? That was a really big int play, and I, they don't recover from that. Yeah, no, I I remember the play you're talking about. There was that Lissandra game was definitely not the uh, the greatest, but I, I I still think the majority of that game too came down to TSM's execution and and the fact that they had triple CC magic damage topside, which is never a recipe for success. You know who I thought had a really good series, um, a little bit less so towards the end, but I thought Chime in the first few games was actually looking really solid. And I know people are going to point to this Thresh because the one time he gets baited, right? You remember he like hex flashes over the wall. That was that was just purely unlucky. Like that that yeah, was just like, unlucky to the maximum. There's nothing you can say about that. I looked at that play and went, "You're losing. He's going to try to make a play." And so he tried, and he found the AD carry. He's looking to try to find a pick. When you're losing, they were down like I think it was around 2k, around 10 minutes, which. 2K doesn't sound like a lot. At 10 minutes, that's a big that's a big deficit. You need to make something happen to turn the game around. I have no problem with him trying to go for the AD carry pick. It was a really nice bait from the side of EG. I, I honestly thought that Chime had a really, really good series. Um, I just don't think his teammates were necessarily good. I was not impressed with Turtle. I don't I hated Turtle's use a, of his jinx traps. There was man. so many like iconic. Well, it's not iconic, but it's like so many turtle moments that we're so used to, like flashing for a kill and then you don't have a flash and you're dying because of it and then also not using your flash in time like that one play where he's playing jinx and he flashes he does not flash the Rakonda, but he gets knocked up by it then flashes after to try to kill a guy as he walks into the bush loses vision he dies was, oh, there, there was so many classic turtle moments of 
inting because he didn't have any flash, flashing for a kill and then getting punished for it later. It was, it was poetry in motion there. I know this is going to sound so nitpicky, but it drove me nuts seeing Turtle use his traps to like try to pick someone. Like Jinx traps should be used for either zoning someone off so they can't get to you, or when you have a thresh, wait for the thresh hook. Chime was landing so many thresh hooks. Wait for that and then place them where the hook is going to pull them the second time into the trap. So many times the traps were just not on cue with the thresh. And I'm like, Chime is landing all of these hooks. They should be getting picks because it should be followed up by traps. But he's throwing out the traps before the hook is even thrown. It was like, Turtles played a lot of Jinx, a lot. I was really surprised that, like, he didn't seem to understand how you're supposed to use Jinx traps. Anyways, that was tilting me. Yeah, not the uh, not the greatest series out of Turtle, but... Yeah. It was, I it was, it was the, the carries of EG were just strictly way better than the carries of TSM in the series, and that's what it came down to for me. I, I thought Hanser, Boogie, and Shime were pretty solid, and were matching up well to their counterparts, but... It was very clear once you gave JoJo and Unforgiven, you know, the tempo of the game, it, it was all them and there was no stopping them. Except, except I... when they tried to massively throw that uh, game number two, was it? Or was it game three? I can't recall. Yeah, game three where they almost threw the whole game. Yeah, yeah, it was game three. An area where I got to give Turtle a bunch of credit because I didn't think he got the love he deserved. He got most LCS kills all time. They pulled up that little graphic on the bottom and nothing. Crickets. Yeah. Nothing from the announcers. Nothing. Like, most LCS kills all time? Hello? I Honestly, though, I bet you, here's what I think happened. FBI you know, like, also he, made, like, 15th most kills at some point. That's in that the problem, series. though. That's the problem, is I bet you the casters didn't even notice it because they pull up the graphic when it's, like, Oh, 15th all time, 19th and assist. Like they pull that graphic up so many times when it's just useless that the casters and the fans just get used to just ignoring that thing altogether. Turtle gets most LCS kills all time and everyone's just so used to ignoring the stupid graphic that like, I felt so bad. Shouldn't that be something that like everyone should be like, holy shit, that is such an awesome, I don't know, what is that? Uh, it's an awesome something. Accomplishment. Perfect. Accolade, something like that. Accolade, whatever. And he didn't get recognition for it. And that, I was like, this stinks. Yeah, un un unlucky. Well, if we want to talk about graphics on the LCS broadcast, your boy JNT250 got a nice little tweet pulled up in the middle of, was it game game two? I game three? See, I didn't see it. What What was it? Wait, you didn't see it? No. Dude, well, I, I just tweeted something about like, yeah, keep giving JoJo Pune Ari. It makes sense. And Oh, I liked and, that tweet. I, yeah. I didn't see it on the broadcast. But yeah, I, mean, up, yeah. I mean, why are you giving JoJo Ari? I totally agree with you. I've why, why legitimately that been saying it for about this entire year now. This yes. whole season. Yeah. like Definitely just, this whole split. I've heard it like, multiple times. It makes no sense. JoJo got Ari four out of five games. Dude, and, I want to see a and JoJo then Ari his second best champion in the in the game five, and he smurfed again. So you know what? Fuck me. Don't ban that champion. I guess maybe <laughs> I'm maybe I'm the one who doesn't understand it. Yeah, you're crazy. Yeah, I, I want to see an, a charm counter on like this guy lands all of them. Oh, and I mean even the double Q. I mean I I forget who said this. I, I forget who it was, but they were they were talking about Chovy when he was playing Ari and whatnot, and. Maybe it was actually Chovy who said that in like some interview where he said like the hardest part of Ari is hitting the consistent double Q, like getting the exact range you need to hit both instances of the Q instantly. 
and Jojo was doing that, and it was oh, that bot lane play where he like fade away killed Turtle with that ex with the exact perfect Q. Oh, it was so disgusting. It, it was fantastic. Yep, 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 yep. Um, the other guys on EG, I'm trying to think of how they performed. Uh, I think Revenge, like I said, had a decent series. I thought he was good. Um, uh, is there I any mean, other like crazy standouts? I mean, Shaden or Shaden. Yep. I think I, I forget I if it was, okay. was I forget if it was Medios or Sneaky who said it during the co-stream, but you would not have guessed that he's only been playing his fourth game on stage with this team yeah. in, in the playoff series. Like he looks like he plug and play. Like it looks exactly the same. And credit to that guy for just meshing with the team so well. Who knows? Maybe he was getting scrim time beforehand, and because I know I think before the split started. It was not necessarily uh, decided who was going to be the starting jungler, so maybe he does have, you know, some pre-existing experience within the team in terms of knowing them being on their academy team for a bit and potentially playing scrims at the LCS team. But seems like a perfect fit, and it sounded like there was a lot of problems going on behind the scenes with EG, them being not apparently a bad scrim team, and Armea was rumored to be a lot of the problems with regards to the team. So they look they look good with him. Yeah. They look solid. They got a whole nother beast coming up. Uh, we'll get to that playoff preview in just a little bit, but so far so good, honestly, because this team was uh, rumored to be on a slide, if you will. And I know the series was a 3-2. It didn't feel like a 3-2 for me. It felt more of like a EG is definitely the better team, and somehow this made it to five games. I don't really know how to explain that. I mean, there is a world where TSM could have won this series because EG almost threw game three to them. Yeah. So, yep. It was it was a close series. It was a lot closer than I was anticipating. I I, I mean, you you just said that you thought that EG was a clear cut better team. I don't I don't think that was the case. You're not in agreement there. Hmm. Interesting. I, I think mean, if they play. I they think were, if these teams play each other again, team. I'm predicting I'm predicting EG three zero. Honestly, if they play each other again, nah, maybe we'll see I, it. I don't know. Maybe I, they meet somehow again in the bottom bracket or something. I mean, one thing that I will say is if. Because I do think that Hauntzer played a lot better in the series than he had played for the majority of the regular season. So in a world where they play again and it's old Hauntzer, I would agree with that. Mm. But I guess if we play this series again with somewhat decent Hauntzer, I see it a lot closer. Okay, to be determined. Uh, should we get to some of those uh, playoff previews, perhaps? Yeah, I mean, lower bracket matches are set. The first one is TSM versus Dignitas. Um, on Thursday, so four days this week, it's going to be a jam-packed schedule. Would you say that Dignitas got the better matchup than 100 Thieves? So Dignitas got TSM, 100 Thieves got TL. Who do you think high rolled here? I mean, yeah, you got to think that Dig got the better matchup here with facing TSM over Team Liquid. Not only because Team Liquid finished higher in the standings than TSM did, but I think just individually... Like, on a player versus player standpoint, Team Liquid is better than TSM individually. So, the fact that Dig gets to play them, good for Dig. And also considering that TSM seems to be somewhat one-dimensional as well in, in terms of their approach and Insanity needing to do well in order for the team to succeed. So, if you can shut down Insanity, sounds like a decent shot at shutting down TSM. I think this is a really important opportunity for Insanity to redeem himself i don't think that jensen is an easy matchup but i do think jojo is one of our best mids right now maybe the best mid so i think that he's obviously got an easier matchup even though jensen is a long time 
a solid LCS mid laner. I think that this is an opportunity to bounce back and say, hey, you know what? I only got clapped because I was up against a, an MVP candidate, you know? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, he definitely has the opportunity to put himself, you know, back in the conversation of top mids and whatnot. I think there's a lot better chance that he can do that because I think he matches up a lot better into Jensen than he does JoJo, with JoJo being very lane dominant and, yeah. you know, just being able to curb stomp you basically, whereas Jensen is a much more slower and I'd just say like I, I guess he's more calculated in the fact that Jensen really doesn't take a lot of risks and he's yeah very willing to just trade farm and lane and accept an even state for his superior, you know, team fighting and macro and whatnot. So it look I I would hope that TSM looks to get insanity in an advantageous matchup, put some pressure and resources on him to get him ahead and to get TSM doing stuff early around the map, because we want to talk about Dignitas. They've continued to struggle in the early game. You know, when this team has been losing games, it primarily is off the back of a weak early game where their bot lane is dying and Santorin is doing nothing and they just fall 2,000 gold behind and they seem to never be able to get back into the swing of things. So I would hope that TSM looks to do something similar to what they did earlier on in the year, not necessarily towards the end, but in terms of Get Boogie on some early game proactive jungler, get some aggressive laners, and let's get this thing going. And one thing that I want to highlight about this series is just how important it is to the TSM players. Now, obviously, it's important for everyone, right? You're always playing for your job, etc. TSM is supposed to not exist next year, right? So technically, all of these players all know that they're unemployed coming up after this year. This might be your last chance if you're a player like Insanity, right? If you want to continue to say, like, I was this mid that was overlooked. I should have been playing in the LCS since spring or whatever. Like, this is your last shot, right? Last shot. And uh, same thing goes for a lot of the TSM players. So that's one thing that I think needs to be highlighted here. Um, as far as uh, matchup-dependent stuff, I, I think that this this uh, series relies heavily on Rich because we've seen a lot of differences or um, different performances, I guess, out of Rich. Obviously, to start the split, he was an MVP candidate. He was absolutely styling. And then as the split went on, he got himself out of that race. And even for some people, lost out on all pro votes. He didn't even make the all pro, if I my memory serves. So I think that for, the, for Dignitas, we definitely have the X factor being rich. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to the Dignitas side of things, I'm fully expecting um, a slow pace from them, from the mid-jungle at least. And... I would hope to have Rich in an advantageous matchup, selecting red side for Dig, getting counterpick top. I want to see stuff like the Alawi. I want to see stuff like the Quinn. Especially, I, I want to see lane dominant things into a player like Hanser. I, I do think that he played a lot better in this past week than he has the majority of the regular season. But you look at the regular season, the dude is getting destroyed in lane almost every, in almost every single matchup. He's like, I don't know what his average CS is, like at 10 minutes or 14 minutes, whatever it may be. I'd have to guess it's at least negative 10 or something like that. Yeah. And I think for most of the split, TSM's bot lane was actually pretty solid, a little bit worse towards the end. I think this is your time to redeem yourself here as well. Dignitas' bot lane, we talked many times. This is their weakness. Very clearly, their weakness is their bot lane. Consistently bad, in my opinion. That's where you got to punish early as well, right? If Dignitas falls behind early a lot of the time, I'm expecting the bot lane to be um, one of the areas where that happens. So kind of got to step it up, Turtle, in this series coming up because I don't think he had the greatest last series. This is your time. 
Yeah. Can and we do predictions? Well, uh, just to piggyback off the fact, considering at the beginning of the segment, we talked about how Dignitas' spot lane has been dying a lot. So if you can get Chime on a pick that can make stuff happen, the Thresh. Perfect example is the Thresh. That feels like one of his best champions. Put him on that. Give Turtle some safe, some safety with that. So we get less Turtle Ents. Let's go. Yep. Fuck the Thresh. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the Thresh, but I just want to see Bard. Still Bard waiting room. Yeah, he's only two games of Bard. We need, we need to up that before PSM gets deleted and same with his career, potentially. Yeah, uh, let's do predictions. Um, if you have your prediction in mind, go for it. I don't even know what to predict with this series. I'm going to go TSM 3-2. Um... And it's purely, I have no idea. Like, I think this series could go either way. So I'm yeah. on the... I'm like 5149 on TSM. I'm trying not to overlook the uh, Dignitas mid-jungle because we said many times they got better as the split went on. I I'm think still gonna TSM's go TSM. mid-jungle is good as well. That was the best yeah. part of, of their year. So I'm going to go TSM 3-1, I think. But uh, I'm with you, whereas like I don't feel super confident in any prediction. If TSM's bot lane looked better, like if Turtle specifically looked better in the last series, then I would feel way more comfortable with like a TSM 3-0 or something, but I don't feel that confident. I mean, speaking of being not confident, the next series of 100 Thieves versus Team Liquid, I have no confidence in either of these teams <laughs> whatsoever. Okay, let, you have to find confidence in one guy. Who is it? Doublelift, that's the only guy. Is there anybody else that could possibly you could have confidence in? Just double lift. No, because I can't say I can't say someday because I think that Summit will probably just pick some big laning champion that will get the better of someday. I can't pick closer because although I want to have remain faith and I want to continue to have faith in him, he has proven me wrong every single week by continuing to play badly, which I will once again reiterate. I think is partially still at the fault of his team for their jungle playstyle. Uh, Quid's awful, and I don't know. I, Busio's only not even a year into his career, so and I, I sure as I sure as hell can't trust anybody on Team Liquid who throws every other <laughs> yeah. game. So the only guy I can choose from is Double Lift. I want to disagree with you, but I agree a hundred percent. But what what's weird about that is like I still don't even necessarily think Hundred Thieves is going to win, even though the mo I, the guy that I have the most confidence in, I it's like I have less confidence in Quid, for example. I mean, like this, I have the, the lowest amount of confidence for Quid to perform than anybody in, in the whole, um, in the whole game. This is the type of series where I would not be surprised at any outcome. I mean, I guess the only outcome I'd be really surprised by is a Hunter Thieves three zero. But most of the other outcomes, I wouldn't really be surprised by. Should we expect Hundred Thieves to go back to the classic, like their only game plan that they've had be successful all year, which is just protect double it? I mean, probably, but they still haven't even done that with this new roster. I so. should say they did go the one route where Closer had a pop-off game. I should acknowledge that he did have that Viego game. It's just one of 18, you know? Well, I mean, like, that's, yeah. I mean that's what I've been saying. Like, you've got to be all in with him. you you got to either fully commit to having him be the carry, and if you want to play stuff like Viego, Lee Sin, Trundle even, maybe? Saw some Pioshik Trundle. If we want to play that kind of a game... Then 100 Thieves needs to follow suit with everybody else. We can't have Quid just playing perma skirmish mid champions and then dying. Can't have someday playing, you know, utility tank and not really doing a whole lot. And 
We need we need something else. Something else, please. I've been I wanting see- I've been wanting this team to be good the whole split long. I've I've I throughout the whole regular season I continue to have faith in them and they prove me wrong every single weekend. I feel like now is where they're going to shove it right back in my face and then have a good series as I'm speaking here right now saying that I have no confidence in them. I wouldn't be surprised if someday shows up. That's another guy that like I don't think should be overlooked. I'm not like super confident he's going to, you know, pop off or anything like that. But this has been a guy that's been around and again, I don't think his split was nearly as bad as like closer or quit or, you know. So I think that's another guy that maybe we should not overlook. I could see someday showing up in this series as well. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him show up. I, I'm just expecting Team Liquid to give advantages and resources to Summit. So you know. The problem I have with predicting 100 Thieves in this series is that 100 Thieves have been the least proactive team in like the history of LCS nearly. And Team Liquid yeah. is known for getting leads early. Like, like 2K average at 15. That's my problem with this series. It's like, even though I have uh, confidence in double lift, I, I don't know how you can overcome what is such a despairing difference in strength in the early game. Now, we know Team Liquid can throw some crazy-ass leads. So that's, I guess, that, that's what 100 Thieves might be able to, or 100 Thieves fans might be able to hold on to and cope with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have to go with Team Liquid on the 3-1 purely because I, I just cannot ignore the str- the struggles from Quid. Um, my expected top prioritization on Team Liquid, and just, as you mentioned, 100 Thieves' lack of doing anything in the early game. I'm ready for APA to bounce back, too. He's, he, needs, he needs to do it for the NA mids. Yeah. Beat down those imports. He's not up against an NA mid, so he should flourish just fine. Exactly. As long as it's not gory. All right, I'm going TL 3-1. No, 3-2. I'll give 3-2. I, I, someday's going to show up one game. I'll give in TL the 3-2. Uh, yeah, it is another series where I have no idea what to... Because like you said, there's no confidence in nearly anyone. So whatever can happen, I don't know. What is next? Well, series on Saturday is Cloud9 versus Evil Geniuses. Cloud9 being the top seed in the playoffs. EG number three, despite Cloud9 picking um, the winner of this series as opposed to Team Liquid versus NRG. I'm all aboard the JoJo hype train, but Jinter, I don't know if he can 1v9 against Cloud9. It's definitely going to be a difficult task, but... I mean, based off of the split performances, it is pretty hard to ignore that EG has a massive mid lane advantage. I mean, as it's as it stands right now, I'm giving the big advantage to EG in the mid lane. So if from Cloud9, you got to not give Jojo Ari, unless you're first picking it away yourselves. I think that's completely fine. MNS isn't the greatest Ari by any means, but he's not bad. He, he still does solid with it. So if I'm blue side, I'm picking Ari every single time on you know, first pick if I'm cloud nine and if I'm red side, I'm banning it every single time because to me, it feels like the only path to victory for EG is getting Jojo on an advantageous, you know, playmaking champion. And I feel like that's the, that's the only path to success for EG in the series. Okay. Um, as the the cloud nine representative here, which kind of play style do you think they will go with? And which one do you think they will go with? What I'm asking specifically here is, 
They always play around Blabber. That's been a very, like, Blabber is invading jungle, and he wants his laners to rotate to help him do that. That's very much what Cloud9 has done. Do you think they will do that, or do you think Blabber will just play around mid and camp the hell out of JoJo? I think it'll probably be the latter of what you said, you know, Blabber doing some camping around mid. I, Because even in some of these EG versus Cloud9 matchups that we saw in the regular season, and even not not just this split, you go to splits past, you know, looking at last year specifically when Cloud9 had MNS in the mid lane, and, and all three of those games where Cloud9 played EG, where MNS was playing, a lot of it just became junglers camping from mid lane and playing around Jojo Pune. And I'm I'm thinking in the first matchup, that was when it was like Trindamir versus Yone. And then in the more recent ones, I think it was MNS was playing Jace. It was Jace versus Silas. But like Point being, I'm expecting, you know, volatile mid lane picks here and jungle will be the, determin the determining factor in terms of who's going to win because I feel like you just, whoever gets the ganks off first and kills the enemy is probably going to win. So it should be both junglers just living in the mid lane trying to get their guy ahead. That's what I expect. But at the same time, if one game plan becomes apparent to the other and I, I would hope in turn that team would then you know, branch out to the sidelines. Like if, if you can tell that one team's game plan is clearly to do, you know, camp mid lane, I would hope that the other team in response doesn't follow suit, but instead goes for other advantages around the map. Because I think even from both Cloud9 and EG's perspective, you give any player on that team a lead and they've seemingly done well, went ahead with the lead. Revenge has played very well when he's got an advantage in lane has gotten a gold lead same with the bot lane same with the mid lane i think the, the same goes for cloud nine so i'm just looking for the junglers to be able to find you know creative pathings in the early game to get ganks going and snowballing because i'm expecting a lot of these games you know i'm not i'm not at all thinking that this is going to be like team liquid versus nrg i'm thinking that this series is going to be exactly like how the two regular season matches played out where the game is going to be decided by 25 minutes basically I think this series is going to give us such a a strong idea of how to feel about Cloud9. Um, I'll continue to say, I didn't think they looked that solid in the, in the regular season, but we've seen them turn it on in playoffs time and time again. This, to me, I think is a good enough opponent to know, okay, Cloud9, were you guys just trying out different stuff? Have you gone full tryhard yet? I think this is the series where we'll see it. Um, also, what I think we might see out of Cloud9, this might be a little bold prediction. I was looking on the uh, Game of Legends and saw that Berserker only played two Kogma games. But I could see them... Berserker's really good at not dying. I could see a Protect the Cog comp working for Cloud9, similar to their, their Melio Ash thing that they do with the Kindred as well. I could see them doing something like that with Cog um, instead, where they just uh, give an Enchanter and maybe a couple Enchanters if it's like Ivern or something. I think Cloud9 could whip out different styles, and that's one of them that I could see them uh, hiding until they're ready to pull it out in playoffs. Definitely. I think everybody knows that Cloud9 is the most versatile team in the LCS. You know, feel like it's been that way for the last few years, just purely because Blabber is proficient on so many champions. Berserker is just so good individually, and Fudge, for the most, for the most part, can play everything in the top lane. So I, I would also agree with you that I might have some secret sauce cooking for yeah. for the series should it venture into game four, or game five potentially. Even I've been waiting for the I'm not expecting forever. Because I'm I'm going with a three zero prediction for Cloud Nine. Maybe that's a bit bold, yeah. but 
I, I'm I'm really thinking that these are going to be similar matchups to the past times we've seen Cloud9 play EG, and it's been a complete one-sided smacking. God, I think I agree. I think I'm going to go 3-0 Cloud9 also. There we go. Damn. I'm a good convincer. I want to hype it up more, though. I want to hype it. Like, I want... <laughs> like, wouldn't it be sick if Revenge followed up last week with, like, you know, outplaying Fudge? Like, yeah, I know Fudge wasn't uh, all pro this split, or shouldn't have been, rather, in our in our opinions. But, like, that's still quite a hurdle. I think that would be really cool. Yeah. Not, Not to mention, again, this team was put together last second, and they were supposed to be, like, some just random-ass team. I think it would be so crazy if they beat Cloud9. Um, I just can't get behind the narrative because I think in reality, I think Cloud9 is about to show us why the hell they always um, show up in playoffs, I guess. I'm waiting for the Kog'Ma. Dude, I, I've been waiting too long. Let's go. It's time. And then uh, our last series on the Sunday, Energy versus Golden Guardians. Now this one, we want to talk about bangers. I am expecting some bangers in this one. I can answer this first if you would like me to, but who do you think stylistically has the advantage? Should I go first, or do you want to take this one? I mean, you can go first. You, you said you wanted to go first, so... My, my, uh, my issue with NRG here is that I think they really heavily rely on mid-jungle. They're going up against the best mid-jungle in the league. That's a problem to me. Whereas, like, not only could you also say that Golden Guardians is just more solid across the board, I just I really worry that even though contracts and Palafox have been great, they're running into guys that have just done it better in my opinion. That that's my worry. And do you think that is uh, fair, unfair, over uh, exaggerated? What do you think? I think it's definitely fair, but I think at the same time, one thing that NRG does pretty much just as well as Cloud Nine, and has been doing for a couple years now, is they thrive in the chaos. And Golden Guardians, while they do have a very strong early game, primarily controlled through mid-jungle, more specifically River, that guy's just an early game beast, sometimes Golden Guardians can get a little bit out of control. And we've seen it a couple times this past split, and even in you know splits prior when they also had the Team Liquid problem of not being able to close out games, where they can get a little bit crazy in the mid-game when they have leads. And Energy does a really good job of thriving in the chaos, countering plays, contracts, Maybe uh, this is maybe a bit of a bold statement I'm about to make here, but contracts, it feels like over the last year now, he's gotten to, to be like a bit of an ex-Smithy where he's kind of always in right place, right time. That's what it feels like to me that like contracts seems to be one of the guys who is always finding, putting himself in the right place at the right time to counter plays and does it really well against a lot of the other teams in the league that have strong early game junglers. So I think that this series will probably like there'll be a lot of Rift Herald fighting. Like, oh my god, every Rift Herald I'm expecting five v fives perma, and I think you give energy the opening and they're gonna take it. So I'm I'm quietly very excited for the series. I'm excited for it too because I love both of these teams, but I I divorced NRG, so I'm definitely cheering for Golden Guardians. I I don't know, man. I I think I'm gonna go three one Golden Guardians. I could also th see a three zero just because of that. Uh, stylistically how they play. I was talking about the mid-jungle. I think that that's a problem where they're, even though they're good, I think that's just where they're outclassed and that's their strength. So I could see a 3-0. I guess the world that I'm giving the 3-1 is if Contracts gets the Poppy. I think his Poppy is fucking awesome. Um, so maybe I'll, I'll give him the 3-1 because of that. 
I'm I'm gonna go three two. I'm just gonna throw it in a bit for fun right there. I mean, I I don't know, a bit boring to go three one again, but I'll, I'll go three two. I'm I'm expecting bangers, like I said. I guess an area where I could see NRG surprising us is we saw the Ezreal look pretty good. Maybe they do play one of those like heavy poke bot lanes, then they just poke the fuck out of Stixa and Hooky and Lane, and they just play like Ezreal Karma. We used to see a little bit, something like that. And maybe they could get advantages down there by just being super fucking annoying and just getting cryo. Um, it's been a while since Golden Guardian's bot lane was really shaky. I think that was mostly towards the start of the split, but it was an area where we did see some shakiness. So maybe I'm not, uh, maybe that's an area that I shouldn't overlook. But again, I don't know. Stixa and Hooky both had really good splits yeah i can't i can't give more than the three one i'm gonna stick i'm gonna go three one still for golden guardians okay uh what's next jnt well um there was a bit of uh discussion somewhat recently around the lec as their season is wrapping up quite quickly i believe the finals are either just finishing or still going on at the time of recording mm -hmm. this, but yep. the discussion has popped up once again about the LEC format and how, you know, if or should it be potentially implemented in a lot of the other major regions, because while the season is not yet over, the three splits um, for the LEC have now concluded the winter, spring and summer seasons with the season finals, which is basically summer playoffs yet to happen. Uh, but a lot of people seem to be taking issue once again with the topic of championship points and how teams like uh, Team Heretics and potentially Fnatic, although that didn't happen because Fnatic advanced to top three in the playoffs, there was a situation where Heretics and Fnatic, both those teams, could potentially have not made uh, the end of season you know, playoffs due to the championship points and kind of rehash that discussion once again of should championship points even be a thing? You know, shouldn't it just be the best teams who are playing, you know, come summer and whatnot, but... My gut feeling is I just want to see the best teams at the time, right? Like, I don't like that the best team from winter, which was months and months ago, um, could be benefited for that. Like, I just, I, that, there's such a, such a discrepancy in so many teams versus how they used to perform months and months ago that versus how they're performing now. So that's one thing I don't like. I can acknowledge that it does make some of the games more exciting. For me, I, I don't know if I think it's worth sacrificing possibly sending a worse team to worlds for that's one of the issues that i have it happened one year jinter maybe you can refresh my memory was it a hundred thieves that either they got screwed over or they went to worlds when they they weren't they were clearly You're probably thinking season 800 thieves yeah where they were the second na seed when everybody knew that they were the fourth best team uh behind c9 and tsm that's probably and what you're thinking of I remember whatever it was. I just remember it left a really bad taste in my mouth, like feeling like I don't want this team representing us. They're clearly not that good of a team. They're they're clearly not, again, like you said, they're, they were fourth best or whatever it was. It's, it's been so long, so I don't remember how good they were. But that's one of the things that I have problem with. And someone in the straight pug and in the chat says Clutch Gaming was another instance. I think he's right about that. Um, if I remember correctly, they... They qualified not through championship points. They qualified through the gauntlet where they beat CLG in the last game. And then, oh, that was and, uh, 2019, actually. We were there, right? Yeah. Was that in Detroit? Okay, mm -hmm. so maybe... Okay, yeah, this is coming back. Well, no, well, you're remembering, I believe, actually, CLG won the series 
the third place match, but Clutch Gaming then won the important series in the gauntlet because there was still the gauntlet at the time. Okay. So if I remember correctly, that's how it played out. So Clutch didn't qualify off of championship points. They 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 won the last series of the gauntlet. Yeah, and because that was season nine, and Cloud Nine advanced their championship points because Team Liquid won the split. And, and anyone in the live chat, feel free to let me know if I'm missing uh, a crucial point of the argument. But to me, it seems very much do like you're really comparing. Do you want to sacrifice how good of a team you might send to Worlds for a better format throughout the year? That is, is my. Do you think that's fair, or am I missing a significant? Say that again, Part sorry, just because I was looking something. Is else. it worth sacrificing that you might send a lesser team to Worlds to improve the format throughout the regular season? That's what it seems like to me. That's what we're arguing here. Well, I mean, when it comes to the argument of, you know, championship points and potentially having a team that wasn't performing in the summer split, but was stronger in the winter and spring splits because of championship points... I'm not of the opinion that the clear-cut answer and solution should just be the top teams from the end of the summer split. I still think that championship points and earlier split performances should impact it in some form. I, I guess if I had to be, if I was calling the shots for the LEC, I would have had the sort of end-of-season playoffs which which is gonna which basically happens after summer finals. There's summer finals. Mm -hmm. We've yep. played all three we splits. We still haven't There's, gotten to that, right? I know. So the only yeah. thing that I would say is I would have included the seventh and eighth team within those, just purely because. Well, because last week you didn't want seven and eight for. But, but it's because that, of championship points. It's yeah, only because I, I get championship it, I get it points is different. Exist. Yeah, it is different. I just think that is kind of interesting, though. Because um, I mean, I think you. I think it is. In some instances, it can be a little bit unfair when a team like Team Heretics, who performed so well in the summer split, but was the tenth and was ninth, tenth place in winter and spring. I, I don't think that their one good split of in summer should completely absolve their horrible spring and winter. So I'm not of the opinion that you, this championship points thing shouldn't even exist, and it just should purely be you know, the best teams at the end of the year. I think you should factor in some of the other splits. However, I think there can be some some, some small changes that you can make to the championship points and the formatting of who you let into the playoffs at the end of the split and how many championship points you even accrue over winter, spring, and summer. Because I, I haven't been following the LEC as much as I normally do this split. I've still been following it, but I'm not exactly sure of the championship point breakdown from winter to spring to summer. But I, I still would be of the opinion that you should heavily weight summer championship points because if they're using the similar system to how it previously was, you basically only got like a 20 to 25% increase in championship points from spring to summer. So if they're following something similar to that, I would just say make that make that like delta of championship points from the first couple splits to the last split and make that a lot higher. Like make, make summer be ex straight up double. I put a link in the chat um for people that want to look at that if you want to look at that Chinter. so I mean, it I'll does look at it right now and see it does look like winter and spring exact same thing uh summer obviously weighted higher which I, that we knew i didn't know how much but obviously weighted higher but what it, what it's sounding like to me is you're not terribly against the current format and you're not against 
um, Riot changing all of the leagues to this format. You just think there needs to be more of a change of how the championship points work so that there are more people that can qualify and we could get a better representation at the end of the day after the what's the next tournament that goes on after after summer it's i don't know what they're calling it it's like season finals or something they call it in, in lec i don't know what yeah it, is it does say season finals on here yeah so you think that there's just different ways to change around with the championship points and that you would like that is that am i getting that right yeah i think i'm more open to that as well the one thing that i i like w- winter to- i guess first thing that i'll say is winter and spring shouldn't even be weighted the same like w- Winter I should agree, be less 100%. than spring. Winter is I we're not even agree. we're not even in the same game when it comes to the meta and whatnot. Like I guess that's the other thing that plays into plays into it is sure you can be one of the best teams in winter, but you know, when the meta is constantly changing and teams are improving and, you know, getting worse because of the meta, it helps certain teams. That also plays a big factor into it. So I don't think that you know, heretics, I mean, obviously they weren't a good team in winter and spring, but if some of it was meta dependent, they shouldn't be getting overly punished for like just playing in a meta that wasn't good for them. And then they get to the meta that's actually good for them. And it's like, oh, sorry, unlucky. It was just better for all these other teams for two of the three splits. And it was only good for you for one of them. So another reason why I think the championship points should definitely be weighted heavily towards summer and very minimally towards winter. Because winter, ma- winter matches was January, man. Yeah, it does suck to see because that is a really cool storyline with Heretics, for example. If you went from ninth and then eighth, or it was eighth and ninth, I don't remember, and then you all of a sudden look good and stuff. Like that's a really cool storyline that I'm like, damn, I hope that we don't have anything like that happen in the LCS if we make our way over to this format. That would, I think, that would kind of suck. But I, I totally agree with you that the fact that spring and winter are weighted the same that feels off to me. Yeah, does it, does especially it because sense. I think both of those splits are considered when talking about who qualifies to MSI, right? Yep. Wait, so sorry, like, well, sorry, say that again. I kind of just is winter and spring both impacting who qualifies to MSI? Um, no, I I believe for e for LEC the way the MSI qualification worked, what it was just the two teams that were in the spring finals went to MSI. Oh. I think that's what it was, right? It was maybe G2. someone someone could probably correct us if they know for sure in in the chat or in the in the comment section. I was about to say uh, actually maybe that's not correct because wasn't Spring Finals BDS and G two, and BDS didn't go to MSI. Didn't go to yeah. So maybe it was Championship points then. Which kind of points again to like now you've got the winter split that obviously means less than spring, determining who goes to MSI. Who the hell was the second team that even went to MSI for EU? Was it Mad Lions? Yeah, Mad it was Mad Lions. Lions. Yeah. Oh, it must have been championship points then, because they had a really good spring, or they had a really good winter, didn't they? Because they were second place in winter, and then had <laughs> I can't a bad... remember. That team is so fucking up and down, man. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. I just wanna, I wanna just double check this before I, because I mean, if if it is the case that Mad Lions only qualified to MSI through championship points, and you know BDS didn't go, then that really doesn't make a whole lot of sense, because. Another reason why the winter championship points should not be weighted the same as spring because EDS is getting punished for no reason. One of the other issues that I have with the current LEC format is that I, it's funny to me how much we hear people say like best of one suck, best of one suck. And then you completely eliminate two teams based off of nine best of ones, right? In such a short, like it's like three weeks of play. And like you just completely eliminate two teams from the rest of that 
uh, split. It feels weird to me that we hear so much complaining about best of ones, but then when best of ones completely eliminate two teams, and don't get me wrong, you're still finishing bot two out of 10. So it's not like I think, oh, these two teams deserve to go to MSI or Worlds or whatever. But it does seem like it's a little weird to me that I don't hear as much complaining about best of ones when it comes to just nine games, um, which, as we know, is only half of a split. Because someone, hold on just a sec, I'm almost done. Um, As someone pointed out, uh, in our Discord, shout out to, I can't remember the name, but whoever did that, that was big time, big brain uh, research. They pointed out that if we were doing the LEC format, this split, NRG would have been knocked out. Which is like, NRG being knocked out right now is like, I don't what want do you mean, that. What do you mean they would have been knocked out? They would have been knocked out because in their first nine games, they went three and nine or whatever, and they would have been like tie, they would have been ninth or something like that. So they wouldn't have moved on to like the group stage. Well, FlyQuest is also three and six, so. I mean, sure, but Did they play FlyQuest a tiebreaker actually then? was bad. FlyQuest was also bad. No, but I'm just wondering uh, if they play the, a tiebreaker then. It, I don't think it would be a tiebreaker because I'm, I'm assuming, based off of just how NRG continued to lose to bad teams, that they were probably 0-2 against Fly, and that's probably why they would have been knocked out. Well, they couldn't be 0-2 if it was nine games, though, because they only play every other team once. Oh, true, 0-1 then. But anyways, what I was going to say would be sort of to my your counterpoint to mm-hmm. that the ninth and 10th place teams shouldn't get eliminated. And I think actually, if you look at it, it was actually more beneficial for those teams who got knocked out earlier on in those splits because they had you know, they decided to make changes to the roster. Excel mm-hmm. finished 9th, 10th in both of those splits. And I don't think that they probably would have made the drastic changes that they did in mid jungle if they didn't have those poor performances and who knows they finish eighth place they scrape into the group stage whatever they win a best of three then they lose a best of three like maybe that convinces them to continue with the same roster maybe maybe it was just pure luck and coincidence that a lot of the bottom teams from both winter and spring suddenly got a lot better in summer who knows could be pure luck and coincidence but i do think that another you know some part of that was getting the extended break in your sort of mini off season, getting to potentially retool your roster. Fnatic made tons of changes. Mental through, reset even. Yeah, mental reset. Fnatic made a shit ton of changes from winter to spring to summer. They changed top laner. They changed bot lane uh, once. They changed support twice. So I might, I would it's sort a fair of. counterpoint. I it's would, fair. I would pull back on the eliminate the bottom two teams right away because at the same time, and I guess another point in the favor of eliminating those bottom teams is why drag them around? Like, Well, because clearly nine games is not a big enough sample size to really determine whether a team is good or not, right? Like we said, in nine games, NRG started three and six. They're clearly not a three and six team, right? Like we're talking about them now as being the third best team in our league and maybe going to Worlds. Well, That's the counter argument. Now, I think it's totally a fair argument for you to bring that up because I do think there's, like you said, it might be total luck. It might have been, but those teams did get better, so that's a fair point. But also, I don't like just eliminating a team off of only nine games. But it's like, no matter what, there's no perfect system, and that's kind of something that we just have to acknowledge, that no matter what format you go with, you're sacrificing something. And I think that's that's the hard thing. That uh, This is actually one area where I don't envy Riot's decision-making whatsoever, because it's a really tough decision, um, because there's you're sacrificing something no matter what. I guess the last thing that I'll say on this point, which partially connects to this point, but also sort of 
talks a little bit about, you know, the seventh, eighth seed and LCS playoffs. Um, I don't feel the need to just keep teams in so that they're in and that they're playing games. Like I'm, I'm perfectly fine with eliminating those bottom two teams. Um, whether it's, you know, if we're going for this new format or if it's, you know, playoffs and regardless, I feel like I always see the argument that, oh, it's just more games, more games is better, but sure, more games can be better, but at the same time, the more games you have, the the less importance all those games are, like the less, the less mm-hmm. important games are on a day-to-day and individual basis. So that is um, true. I kind of am personally, I am a fan of the system of eliminating the bottom two teams at the, at the end of the split purely off of, well, one, they're not very good. And you give them extra time to make roster changes because you basically just get it a plus three weeks. You don't make it, you get plus three weeks of off season, you know, three times potentially. So yeah, yeah. I, I think the format use a little bit of retooling, a couple slight changes here and there, but I, I would be all for, applying it to all major regions around the world and we would finally get some consistency across the whole world when it came to like a a format because you know obviously lpl and lck they have best of threes and various different playoff brackets and whatnot but i think getting everybody in the same format same number of matches whatever it may be can you know i think make international competition that more that much more exciting yeah Although I'll admit I am worried about some of the downsides to the change, I'm open to it. I, I think that there is a world where it can work. If they try and it doesn't work, I wouldn't be like, how dare Riot make this decision, blah, blah, blah. I'm okay if they tried, even though I'm worried about some stuff. And, and just I uh, just did look up who did the research for that. That was Aless in our Discord. So shout out to Aless for doing the research on who would have been knocked out if we had the LEC format. I okay. guess I'd I'd have to I mean I I didn't read it so I don't know like I I didn't read what LS posted but I'd have to look at whatever the tiebreak situations are because I think yeah FlyQuest was three and six NRG was three and six and Immortals was two and seven something through those through the first nine yeah. games so yeah I, I I can tell you right now who uh, let me give me a second here. Oh, never mind. NRG was 1-1 one one against FlyQuest, so I was trying to see what the tiebreaker was. I'm guessing NRG was 0-1 versus them, because they, again, they kept losing to bad teams throughout the whole split, so that's, that's my guess. Well, as to what it, happened, it, even if that is the case, if the <laughs> LEC format is such that if whatever team has the 1-0 head-to-head, that's mm-hmm. the tiebreaker, I would, I would be in favor of removing that and having there be a tiebreaker match, and having that head-to-head not be a factor if you're only playing one round-robin best-of-one. Yeah. Like if you just have the same record, you should be playing your tiebreaker. It doesn't matter who won that one head to head matchup. Okay. I mean, I, yeah, I would agree with that. They have broadcasts all the time at the end of the split where sometimes you could have up to 10 games in one day. I, I'd be fine if they did that. Someone, chat Someone says, in the live chat. Yeah. yeah go ahead. I'm pretty sure if teams are tied for eighth place, they play a tiebreaker. I mean, if that was the case, then yeah, I'd be in favor of that. And I think that could eliminate any other issues of being like oh well actually the ninth place team was better than the eighth place team and stuff like that it's like no just have them play a tiebreaker match and the better team moves on okay yep uh okay that was quite or even sorry to extend this discussion even make it a best of three then like to get eliminated you have to lose a best of series you can't just get eliminated off of best of ones to get eliminated it has to be a best of three i don't know just another random idea the the only issue is like logistics of like how many games can you squeeze into like short window times, but I'd be open to it. 
I mean, at yeah. the rate we're going at, I mean, games in the <laughs> LCS, dude, games don't last very long. Like, dude, game time. Not is... if Energy and Team Liquid are playing, let me tell you. Yeah, that, that, that's fair. Yeah. EG versus uh, TSM. Got... Some of those games are going quick. Yeah, this is true. Okay, let's get to uh, let's get to quick news and then we'll close her out. Yep, we got some quick news. All pro teams did get announced. I'm pulling those up as we speak so I can read them out. Um, first team was Licorice, Blabber, Jojo Pune, Berserker, Huhi. Second team, Summit, River, Gory, Stixase, Ven. Third team, Fudge, Pioshik, Eminus, Unforgiven, Core JJ. Uh, first of all, first of all, I have to actively flame anybody and everybody who put MNS over Fudge, or sorry, put MNS and Fudge on their all pro team because that straight up doesn't make any sense. One thing I will say is I won't flame the coaches and or players who are picking those votes because as everybody knows, they're a little bit more biased when it comes to scrims and everything like that. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if MNS and Fudge were still really good in scrims and other players still carry a very high opinion of them. However, for the majority of all the ride staff and third party media and whatnot, were voting Fudge and MNS for their all pro teams. I do not understand what you were watching and how you could say that these two players were in the top three within their role. I just had to get it out. I agree, but like, I think I say this every time we do the all pro. It's like, I'm, I'm kind of over getting like tilted at some of these things. Like, clearly, it's just disagreements. There's bias from no matter what area you're coming from. Like, there's probably some groupthink happening amongst the Riot team, right? Like all the analysts and stuff. There's probably groupthink amongst you and I, Jinter. So like, it's just, there's bias that happens. And it's like, that's, what can you do? You can't really do much about bias. That's why it's called bias. I don't agree whatsoever with those two guys being all pro. Mm -hmm. And I think it does say something with, uh, does say something with you, the Cloud9 fan being like, why are my Cloud9 guys on these all pro votes? Um, yeah. But I mean, what, I don't know what. what and it was it was add. weird. It was weird because the one Cloud Nine player who was actually catching a lot of flame for being on All Pro was Sven, and you know he was I thought a pretty clear cut person who was going to be on the All Pro list behind who he and Core JJ. To me, it was just like, what other supports really stood out consistently? Like Core made the list, but I didn't even feel like that. I, I put Core third in mine, I think, but I didn't like. If someone said no, Core shouldn't be on there, I would be like, okay, like I wasn't. Whereas like Sven, I, I did feel like, yeah, I thought he actually had a pretty decent split. It felt like the supports, th there could have been a few people that could have grabbed that spot with some slightly better performances. So I didn't, yeah, I didn't feel too strongly one way or another when it came to support. The only thing I felt strongly about was who he was number one. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know we did reveal our all pro lists last week, but are there any, any snubs you thought people who maybe could have got it or at least should have been maybe higher up in the conversation. Well, if we're going to talk about how we don't think MNS and Fudge should be on there, let's talk about who we think should have been on there. I would have been okay if it was Palafox or Insanity in the mid lane. I think Me either too. one of those guys made sense. And then top lane, I think it's crazy how quick we forgot just how good Rich was. Um, I know he struggled towards the end, but like, bruh, that guy was an MVP candidate. He has one or two bad weeks and then he's just off the all pro altogether. The first what? three weeks of the season, he was one v nine for Dignitas. Like one v nine. And it's one thing if like if it's one thing if like all the other tops were like styling, but like I didn't think Licorice looked that good towards the end of the split. I didn't think obviously Summit started to run it down as as the split got worse. The ISO deaths really started to stack up. Fudge, we mentioned like we didn't think he had that great of a split. It felt like Fudge just got there based off of like he's Fudge. Yeah, 
And yep. I will have no problem with Fudge showing up in playoffs and being like, this is why I'm all great. I have nothing against Fudge. I think Fudge would probably even say like, yeah, my split wasn't that good and I expect better on myself, et cetera. Yeah. Apart from those two names you mentioned, I mean, there was a few other people for jungle. We thought a lot of people thought Boogie was, you know, potentially right up there with Pioshik. I was, yeah. I mean, I was definitely surprised actually that Pioshik got the nod over you know, boogie or contracts or something like that. Just because I, I don't, I don't know. I thought, I don't know. I maybe I'm just, I'm, I'm a boogie fanboy. I think, but I thought he was the clear cut yeah. third best jungle in the league. So no, I had Piosic for sure. I think Piosic had a much improved split. That is just my opinion. But anyways, none of the picks. I'm, I'm not gonna lose any sleep over them. This happens every split where everyone's like, my guy that I voted for or I think should have been voted on there didn't get in, and then everyone gets all mad. I would just remind our listeners. Don't get too hung up on it. It's all pro. Everyone's going to forget about all pro voting by the time when the split's done and Worlds comes along. Everyone's all pro voting will be out the window and out of your mind. So don't lose any sleep over it. Well, uh, next week, they're going to reveal coaching step of the split and rookie of the year. Uh, these are probably two of the more boring ones for the most part. But rookie of the year, um, I'm going with Jan. Uh, there's not actually a lot of people that are eligible to win it. But I think Jan, Jan feels like the pretty safe bet uh, for me. I thought he had a pretty decent. Uh, I mean, I, he, he was decent overall in spring. I think he had um, clear cut strengths and weaknesses and he shored up a lot of those weaknesses in the summer split. Thought he was you know, pretty good in the summer split. I think he was still a level below all those top 80 carries in the league, um, but not too far behind. And I, I think if. We do see this team liquid roster stick together. If Core is still on the team and there's some sort of Korean thing going on, I think Jan will he'll still be involved. Yeah, to me it's MNS if he's I don't know if he's allowed to be counted. I don't know if MNS is technically a rookie or not. Um even though I don't think he was all pro in summer, I think overall MNS had a really good year. Um but again, he if if he's not, because he might have played in like Oast or something, I don't know how that does for rookie discussion. Um, if he's not, then I would agree with Jan. I would probably go with Jan as well. There was no rookie that clearly stood off the page outside of MNS. Again, if he's a rookie. Um, again, I thought Jan was solid throughout the year. I thought Busio had a much better start to the year and kind of fell off as, as 100 Thieves fell off as well. Um, who else was there? That was APA played not in even enough games, I would say. Yeah, Shaden, he only same played thing. five games. Spyrax, one game. Uh, Quid was terrible. I don't even know if he's technically a rookie. Uh, the thing with Busio that made it difficult for me to even put him in the conversation is I feel like his graph of performance kind of looks like a parabola. Like, he started off not that great with those first couple games where it was really int, and he was playing really, really well in 100 Thieves when they were kind of just like one tricking their, their style. But he was still playing really well, don't get me wrong. And then Summer Split, 100 Thieves wasn't that good, and he wasn't necessarily the greatest either. So, just kind of awkward for him to be in the conversation when his highs were so long ago and yeah. we've kind of only been seeing some lows as of late oh in the chat azir support that was a that's and i was, forgot about azir that was support. a banger first game of the that year was, was that his first yeah that was that, his that, first game. i'm pretty sure that was like the first game of the of the whole lcs year like we've seen 100 thieves in that game and yeah oh, azir support that was uh, a good one right there that was into the the counter pick and the heimerdinger support I think Doublelift said after, like, guys, this wasn't that troll, and then they never played it again. <laughs> yeah. It's not as troll as it sounds. Yeah, it didn't work. Uh, coaching staff of the split. 
Is it is it of the split or of the year? Um, I think it's of the split because they have it every split. If it's of the split, I e.g. for me, I don't know. What about you? I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of names that the, the, when it comes to like coach coaching staff, like it's always an award that feels really difficult to size up from the outside looking in. But hundred percent. Even I, I thought this split. I could see a conversation for it to be Golden Guardians. I could see mm-hmm. it to be TSM. I could see it to be Evil Geniuses. Um, and who knows? Maybe it's even Cloud9. Like, in my I'm not books, giving it to TSM. No I shot. Mean, it could even be Cloud9 just in the sense that they had underperforming solo lanes relative to expectation and they still finished first and Blabber is carrying hardcore. The reason why I'm saying no shot TSM, I know they performed better than everyone expected, but to me, like... It was very clear that making the mid lane swap was stupid. We called that out before they made the move. We said, you're crazy if you do this. And then, of course, they did it. They went 0-3. I don't give points for that. That was weird. And then they stumbled right towards the end of playoffs as well. So it's like you kind of fell off hard when it starts to matter. So I can't give coaching, not to TSM, even though I do like the story of these guys that are probably going to be teamless soon, performing way better than everybody expected. I think that's cool and all. But from the coaching side of things, it's hard for me to see how you get you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean... Just those those three names are the ones who I think would probably be the three front runners. But if I had to pick, I'd go Golden Guardians. I think. Okay. They did definitely improve, so that's definitely something to shout out. I'm gonna try to sell you on Evil Geniuses here, because you have five players that had never played together. I don't think. That were, we're not. Yeah. Yeah, and they were like nothing special, or they weren't supposed to be anything special, and then you go twelve and six. Okay. Not to mention, JoJo had a terrible split last split. Maybe, yeah. you you know, JoJo's back on track. Um, yeah, I got to give it to EG just for those reasons alone, you know? And like you mentioned, we don't ever really have a strong opinion on coaching staff because we're not in the coaching room, blah, blah, blah. We pretty much just give our pick because there's an award that exists for it, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean... Do okay, I tell you I, or not really? No, I mean, I'd still pick Golden Guardians, but <laughs> okay. I see the argument. And like I said, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised with any of those three that I said. Okay. Uh, what's next on? I'm, I'm looking at it, but what's next? I'm lost on the list here. Well, while they're already eliminated and we gave them a nice little score of, I think it was mm-hmm. like, we both gave them a three or maybe a two and a three, something like that. Immortals, okay. they're, they're cleaning house already. Uh, they released all the members of their coaching staff plus uh, Solo as well. Is no longer under contract yeah so i i'm not sure if solo is no longer under contract just because his contract was like yeah our contract is up once we're eliminated or if like it's possible because he does have some coaching experience if he was like hey since we're eliminated this team might want me as a coach. I don't know if he is going to another team. Is it cool if I go coach another team or something like even if it's like a challenger team or something like that um, I was curious if that was even possible. So maybe I, I just, when I saw that his name wasn't on the, the database thing anymore, it made me start to wonder if it's possible for him to go to another team. Just I should also it. add that Kenby got released as well. Okay. I didn't write it down, but I remembered it in my head. Hmm. Yeah. That if there's multiple players and Kenby doesn't really have, like, I don't see him being a coach. He doesn't really even talk much from what I could tell. <laughs> I um, can't that say that I've ever just... heard that guy say a word. Yeah, he doesn't. Like, I, I don't think I've ever heard him speak. If and I don't think a lot of people being... have because nobody watches the fucking Immortals content because they have 200 views. 
yeah, if there's multiple players being let go, it just makes me think like, yep, it's just because we're eliminated and we're just doing it all now. That's that's yeah. all it's. But anyways, and then last thing, uh, the world championship is on the horizon. You know, splits are finishing up. LEC presumably finished while we were recording this. Um, LPL is already deep into playoffs. LCK starting playoffs soon. LCS playoffs are underway. However, Nefiri, most recent champion that's been released, will apparently be playable for Worlds, which is somewhat surprising considering I think this is very different to how they've been handling new champion releases when it comes to the previous World Championships where we didn't see champions like, you know, Yone, Yone when he got released at the end of 2020 or the middle end of 2021 we didn't get to see him at Worlds there was Belveth as well in 2020 I think it was and then there was one other in 2019 was Gwen one of them or am I making that up no because she was too she was she got released November December her and Viego I like how you remember when the hell she gets. I just remember because that was when they were doing the bullshit where they re they released like a champion every two months. Like that's when mm. they were doing that. That was when like that was coming out. Senna, Aphelios, Seraphine. That was when they banged out like six champions a year for two years, and mm. that was so brain dead. I I'm a little bit worried. I have to admit. Yeah, the champion seems seems strong. She already got hot fixed after release so i mean that's classic riot though over buffing champions on the release but whatever is there ever a world where they might just perma ban it if like things if it's not balanced where they're just like never mind and they just it's not no being played? i don't think so I'm, so we're pretty sure that we're in for the long run un, and it un, might be perma pick ban every game unless they i guess sorry i i should i should have asked for further clarification on your question is your question like we're in the middle of the tournament and no, she's not been, in the middle of the tournament. Okay, yeah. If if before the tournament they realize that she's not in a balanced state, then yeah, I think they could make that decision. But Okay. If you enable her and she gets played she gets picked in one game, then you gotta let it run out the whole time unless there's a bug. Because where was that? Like season five worlds, there was like a Gragas bug where Gragas got like disabled for the tournament like halfway through it. Remember that or no, I don't, but that doesn't surprise There was bugs, some bug with see. Gragas. It was like dashing see, champions yeah. in the jungle. There was like some bug where you'd go over terrain with a dash and like they had to ban like Sejuani and Gragas or something. Oh. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was something along the lines of that. Yeah, obviously I could see them perma banning something if it's too buggy and it's just breaking the game. That's obvious. One last thing that I, I saw you post this in our Discord in our in our prep channel or whatever um, that we don't have on here, but I think it's worth bringing up was the, um, the Silvix, the Dignitas content piece. Oh yeah. I, I didn't, I just posted that just cause I thought it was interesting. No. I think it's oh, interesting yeah. too. And I think it's worth bringing up. Basically the point of the tweet is, uh, the guy who makes the content said breaking news aside from 100 T Bjergsen slash double if roster announcement, this video is not only the most watched piece of LCS content of summer, it is the most watched piece of LCS content all year. Um, and it is guess the rank, but it's faker. It's with Jensen and Santorin. My point in bringing this up is, look, I don't expect team content to perform like this all the time. But I think the, the, the lesson here is try to find good ideas and people will watch it, even if it is on a not popular team. I guess what I'm saying is it is still worth investing in content. You just have to put in a lot of effort. 
And I think Dignitas has done that, and they've been rewarded. It's got 30k views. I don't even think you have to put in a lot of effort. I just think you need to put in some decent effort. Like, you just need to... You, you can't just put in, like, no effort stuff. I mean, I feel like that's that's a lot of the stuff you see with, like, a lot of sponsored videos when it comes to, like, LCS content and whatnot. Like, anytime there's, like, some sponsored video, you know it's about to be some dog shit. Maybe, like, the only exception is the Bean Boozled <laughs> ones back in the day. Dude, those bean boozled streams in like season four, season five. Oh my why god, why does I remember bean those. boozled exist? Can you explain to me why bean boozled exists? Like, haha, this tastes like vomit. Like, that sucks, man. That's not fun at all. Why do people buy this? Young kids are dumb. <laughs> I, I can't believe. Does it still exist? Probably. I mean, I remember buying it once just to because I want to know what they taste like. Why? I don't know. It just. I feel like you gotta know, like, you, you think about a jelly bean that tastes like rotten egg, like, no way they got the rotten egg taste. Oh, yep, they did. It tastes like rotten egg. That's so funny to me that people buy that, and clearly enough, because, like, we're talking about it, right? So, like, clearly something worked there. I just, I, never in a million years are, is somebody gonna be like, hey, taste this. It might taste like coconut, or it might taste like fucking old milk or something, and I'm like, mmm, yum, let, let's see. <laughs> I don't um also one other piece of content that i wanted to shout out was the uh the nrg one where contracts is being coached did you watch that one uh, no i don't i don't watch any team content dude it was actually great so contracts pretends he's this silver player and they go to fiverr to get someone to coach him and so he's pretending to be a noob mm. it's good content like he's in I, vo I... he's in like voice chat with the coach yes. Yes, oh but That's not so only is not only is contracts playing, they have. Um, I mean, is he purposely uh, playing like a dog, or he, he's trying to? He's trying to. Okay. Um, and then uh, is it Palafox and Dokla that's in his ear? They're they're in his ear saying like, "Oh, ask this question, ask this question." So I gotta it, watch it this. Is, Sounds funny. It is good content. I thought that was fucking hilarious. Um. Anyways, the content game can be improved. Uh, that's all I'm saying is like just give a little bit of effort and I think it's definitely worth and I think you'll start to see some uh, returns on the investment of content creation yeah. I mean it does feel like teams go through phases of like because they what was it last year when Takui was on the FlyQuest roster you were all about the FlyQuest content and then this year you've been all about the Golden Guardians content so it feels like LCS teams go through like phases of Okay, we're gonna release a bunch of content for this splitter this year, and then oh, we'll we'll just never do it again. We'll just put it on the back yeah. burner for a year or a split, and then oh, maybe we'll do some more next time. But the I reason why I'm all about the Golden Guardians content is just who he is hard carrying comms. Like that guy is the MVPC. No, play, play, player, player, play, player comms don't count. That's 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 not LCS well, okay. content. That's like wire no, but... content. Golden Guardians LCS comms are way better than the normal LCS comms. Like, who he is fucking hilarious, man. I can't believe that guy's comms in games. He's just anyway. laughing his ass off. Yes, pretty much. That guy's player cam is the best. I want them to do a compilation at the end of the year of all the who he cam moments throughout the whole uh, split or year. I think that that would get a lot of views. Anyways, shout out to all the good content. Energy is doing good content. Golden Guardians, other teams need to step it up. And that's going to be it for this episode. JNT, are we supposed to be live at a normal time next week? Or what are we thinking? Um, I think so, yeah. 
sometime in the next few weeks, there will be some hiccups in our scheduling. We'll be sure to keep you guys up on top of that. But for now, we plan to be live at the normal time, 7 o'clock EST. Uh, oh, I mean, I guess one thing we should note is, well, there's a playoff series on a Sunday. And right. if it presumably starts at 5, then we probably won't be starting at 7. We'll be starting yeah. after that series concludes or you know, shortly after that series concludes. True, true. Okay, so we'll try to go live then as soon as that series is done. Yeah, Sunday they start at 5 p.m., so it'll okay. likely be shortly after the conclusion of the Golden Guardians versus Energy series. We'll be live with next week's episode. If anything changes, we'll try to update you guys in our Discord. Yeah, join um, the Discord. Can... That's, that's where you get all the updates. You can find that in the description of YouTube and maybe on Spotify as well. Yes, um, but yeah. that's that is going to be it for this episode. We'll give you guys any other updates as we get them. Uh, hope you guys enjoy the rest of playoffs. We got four banger series coming up this week. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. This has been episode one thirty five of the Clown Fiesta podcast.